Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. Brother Mike, if you can crack that door a little bit, it's a little warm. Yeah, just a tad bit warm. Javon, if you can crack that door too, just a little warm. Just a little bit, not a whole lot. Just a little bit warm. There should be some bricks or something out there that you can use to prop that door open. Just a little tad bit warm. Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. When you have it, say amen. If you don't, just say wait. Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, and it reads, it's this from the Amplified Bible. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him for she took for him an ark or a basket made of bush rushes and the papyrus, making it watertight by dabbing it with bitter meal and pitch. Then she put the child in it and laid it among the rushes by the brink of the river. Now, Father God, we thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you, Lord. God, even as we celebrate, we just don't we're not just thankful just when it comes to Thanksgiving, Father God, but we're thankful every day. Uh, whether we have turkey and dressing and all the trimmings or not, Father God, you've done more for us than we could ever do for ourselves, oh God. You've done more for us than anyone could ever, could ever be able to do for us, oh God. And so, Lord God, we just magnify you. We just thank you, Lord God. We just praise you, Father God, for being all that you are, Lord God. We ask and pray, oh God, as we come to this preaching moment, Father God, that you will open up our hearts. Would you open up our eyes, oh God, open up our ears, oh God, open up our spirits, oh God, that we may be receptive to the word of God on today. Father God, we ask and pray that you will bind anything, oh God, that's not like you, Lord God. Bind every distraction, Lord God, every, anything that will interfere, even bind the different things that's going on in our minds right now, the cares of the week that we have already. Lord God, we put those aside that we may be able to receive the word of God on today. Uh, Father God, we ask and pray right now, Lord God, that you loose us, oh God, loose us in the name of Jesus, oh God, that we may be all that you called us to be, Lord God. We pray for healing to take place in this house, for deliverance to take place in this house. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we pray that your word will go forth with power, with authority, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on and put those hands together and give God a great praise. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm a survivor. Come on, turn to your neighbor on your other side and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I'm a survivor. Come on, find somebody behind you. Find somebody in the choir stand and say, neighbor, I'm a survivor. Find somebody across the way and say, neighbor, I am a survivor. The primary focus and purpose of the book of Exodus is a story of deliverance. It takes the entire book of Exodus deals with the deliverance of God's chosen people, the children of Israel. It deals with how God delivers them from oppression, how God delivers them from bondage in order to take them to something that was much better. God was delivering them, God was freeing them and taking them to something that they, that they had never seen before in their eyes before. God was taking them to a place, taking them to something new that they had never experienced before in their lives. But just as God does, a de- just as God did a deliverance in their lives, and as God does a deliverance in our lives, we must always know and recognize as believers that deliverance is not something that happens instantaneously. 
But it's a step-by-step process that God walks with us and that God walks through us with us so that we can be able to achieve and be all that God has called us to be and so that we can be able to go and experience every and every promise that God has already ordained for our lives. But we also know that as God begins to deliver us, as God begins to free us, as God begins to change us, we already know that the flesh is going to buck, that the flesh is going to be resistant, that the flesh is going to be in opposition of what God desires to do in our lives. Because we know that sometimes in our human nature, we are not always comfortable with change. We're not always comfortable when God desires to do something new in our lives because it requires something of us that we may not always want to do. It requires of us a sacrifice. It requires of us a covenant. It requires of us responsibility that we have to take for ourselves in order that God can truly be able to deliver us and take us out of what we're in and to take us to a place that we've never been before. But before he could ever take us to that place, Brother Algie, that he desired for us to be, he must deliver us from some things in our lives. And our flesh is going to buck. Our flesh is going to be resistant. Our our flesh is going to say, no, I don't want to do it. Because the flesh does not like change. It does not like change, and nor does the flesh like transition. Some of us in our lives right now, we're in a place of transition right now. We don't know if we should go right. We don't know if we should go left. We don't know if we should go forward. We don't know if we should go back. We know that God is shifting some things around. We know that God is doing, that God is preparing something great, that God is getting ready to do something new. But we're really not sure what exactly what it is that God is doing. And so it makes us uncomfortable in the place of transition. We're indecisive about decisions that we need to make. We're indecisive about places where we should go. We're indecisive about making certain decisions concerning our lives because we don't know what the future may hold. That's the one thing about transition is that when I'm here and I'm trying to get there, but in between there and here, there's nothing there that I can be able to see. And it causes me to become uncomfortable. The flesh is uncomfortable because we're so used to leaning on what we know, used to lean on what the plans that we may have when we need to trust God in the midst of the transition that God has us in in our lives. Because listen here, saints of God, transition and change may shock you, but it didn't shock God. It may have caught you off guard, but it did not catch God off guard. And so while we're in that place of transition, while we're in that place of God molding us and shaping us, preparing us for something new and to take us for something better, we must, we must learn to have a dependency upon God like no other. Listen, saints of God, as we get ready to go into 2011, I already know that, listen, there's some great things that we had, that we, some promises that we've been, been that we've been believing God for for 2010. And I know that God's going to answer some promises by December 31st, 2010. Amen. And we're already expecting great things for God to do in our lives in 2011. But listen, as we're in this state of change, as we're in this place of transition, because we don't really know what to hope for, really don't know what it is to come, we must learn to trust and depend on God right now in the midst of the transition going on in our lives. Because everything around us may be changing. Everything around us may be going to and fro. But we must learn to have a trust and a dependency upon God like no other. Because we're living in some crazy times. It was, I was reminded, someone told me, I was talking to Jeremy yesterday, and he called and told me about a friend, a couple that he went to college with. Uh, the girlfriend broke up. Uh, the girlfriend broke up with the boyfriend. He got upset with her, went to her house, held her hostage. She called her father to come and help her, and she ran away from the guy. He killed her, killed her father, and killed himself. 
We don't have to go all the way to Memphis to view things like that. We can view here just in the city of Carbondale. And we see that we are living in some troubled times, that we are living in some crazy things. There are things going on that we're not even able to explain or make sense of. And so what we have to do, saints of God, we have to depend and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our trust and our faith cannot be in anything else but him. Because everything else will fail. People will fail us. Stuff will fail us. Things will fail us. Jobs will fail us. Situations will fail us. But God can do everything but fail. And so we see here, we see here in the book of Exodus how God delivers the children of Israel out of bondage. How he delivers them out of oppression. He delivers them from the harsh treatment of the Egyptians. The king of Egypt issues a decree or command to all the midwives that every Hebrew boy that is born to be killed at the time of birth. Because the midwives learned, because the midwives feared God, they didn't do what they were asked to do, but they followed what God had told them to do. And thus, because of their obedience, they received a blessing. After Israel's deliverance of being slaves for nearly 400 years, they longed and lusted after their past life in slavery. Even though there were slaves, Egypt was a place that had great benefits. Egypt was a place that was a thriving place. It was a place that had wealth. It was a place that everything that was happening knew, everything that was going on in the area knew, always came to Egypt. So Egypt was the spot that everybody enjoyed to be at. Egypt was the place where everybody could get uh, uh, refurbished. It was the place that everybody could get refreshed and finding all the latest things that was going on in the land. Egypt was the place to be. Though they were treated in Though they were treated harshly, they longed for Egypt. This does not make sense at all. These people that God has delivered, God has set them free. Um, God has released them from the hands of the enemy that had a chokehold on their lives. They longed to be back in slavery, Reverend James. Why in the world would they long to be back in slavery? They were so busy and caught up in remembering and lusting and longing after what was and not present to what is and what, and what was to come. But they were caught up in living in the past. How many of us today are longing and lusting after the past, after reaching forward to the future? How many of us, after God has delivered us, taken us out of slavery from sin, we look back and say, oh, I sure had some good times back in the day. Oh, I remember. And we take that trip down memory lane and we begin to complain and we begin to murmur. And all of these things begin to stop us and hinder our growth and our progress in God because we fail to lay a hold, to lay a loose to the things of the past and face forward to the things in the future of what God desires to do in our lives. It's too many of us, saints of God, that we lay hold and we, we, we depend so much on the past when it's all well and fine to remember about what has happened and what has went on. But those remembers of the past ought to be a landmark to remember to remind us of what God has done in our lives and to press forward for the future provisions that he has for our lives 40 years they wandered in the wilderness because they couldn't let go of the past how long will you repeat the cycle of life 
How long will you repeat the cycle of your past before you let go of it and press forward and go into all the things that God has for us? Many of us, we want new things. Oh, God, yes, transform me, God. Renew me. But when God says let go, you're like, wait a minute, God. You didn't say all of that. Our spirits are excited. We're ready. But the flesh rises up. And says, I don't think so. Not today. I don't want to be transformed. Because the truth of the matter is, people say, oh, yes, I've been changed. They like the idea of change. But they really don't want to make the commitment to do it. People like the idea of being transformed. They like the idea of being delivered. They want to do all the stuff. Oh, they want to get excited. They want to buck and all that other stuff. But they really don't want to take, they really don't want to take the responsibility to do the work that's necessary for God to truly deliver you and bring true transformation in your life. But we must get to the place, saints of God. We must get to the place, saints of God, that we will lay a hold with. We will let go of those things of the past and press forward to the things that God has for us in the future. Whether we know where we're going or not, we still got to trust him. Whether we know the full plan of what it is that God is doing, we still have to trust him. This walk that we walk as believers must be a faith walk. Take it, it has to be a faith walk. It has to be a faith walk that we're walking by faith every day of our lives, trusting and believing in God to do the supernatural in our lives. We can't get caught up by what we see with our natural eyes because with our natural eyes, you will become discouraged. With your natural eyes, you will get disappointed. But when you begin to see things that God sees, I mean, you say, wait a minute, God, listen, I know you're working things out for my good. I know that you're working everything out. Do you have a plan, especially designed for my life? God, I know I don't understand everything that's going on. Yes, God, I'm disappointed. Yes, God, I'm frustrated. Yes, God, I'm confused. But in the midst of it all, God, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter what. God uses a man named Moses, to be an advocate to help bring deliverance to the lives of his people. Truth be told, saints of God, as we were to look over the past 11 months of 2010, we've all had our fair share of obstacles. We've all had our fair share of disappointments. I've always passed this mic around. We will be here until New Year's Eve talking about all the disappointments, talking about all the many, uh, this, uh, the heartaches and all those different things that we have experienced. Some of us thought that we would not have even made it this far in life in 2010. But it's only been by the grace of God, saints of God, that we made it to where we are right now in our life. It's been nobody but God. Because truth be told, you should have lost some things in 2010. You should have lost your mind. You should have lost your hair. You should have lost your house or lost a whole bunch of stuff in 2010. But it's been that it's been that little inkling down on the inside of that little trust and that faith in God that has kept you along the way these past 11 months. Because things have not always gone your way, but you made up in your mind. You said, like Job, you said, blessed, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. But the name of the Lord shall continually, shall still be praised. And it's because of your undying and unwavering trust in God that you made it to where you are right now. Some of us, we've been beat up, not physically, but we've just been beat up by life, by circumstances. Your money's been funny. Change's been strange. All the stuff has been going on in your life. 
But we, what we fail to not realize that sometimes, saints of God, that the trouble that comes in our lives, the pain, the suffering, uh, the tribulations, the trials that come in, the, in our lives, those things come in our lives to grow us and to develop us. We don't always see it as that, but look at the, go to Exodus chapter 1. Amen. I'm not going to be before you long this morning. Exodus chapter 1, verse 12. And see, what we have to realize is that, listen, the children of Israel were being oppressed and they were just being impossibly just unhumanly abused by the Egyptians. They were having them do, uh, having them doing hard labor. They were just purposely oppressing them because they did not want them to live. They wanted them to die. But this is what the Bible says. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and expanded. So that the Egyptians were vexed and alarmed because of the Israelites. Let's read that again. The more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and expanded. What in the world are you talking about, preacher? The more pressure that came upon their life, the more the, the more that the Egyptians pushed them, the more trials and tribulations that came their way, the more they began to grow and the more they began to expand. Where it became it became it became an issue for the Egyptians because they were they were becoming too large now. Just as the Israelites were becoming an enemy, becoming a threat to the Egyptians, saints of God, when the devil throws stuff our way and when he thinks that we're going to fall, when he thinks we're going to crash, but when those circumstances come our way and we begin to expand and grow from the pressures of life, we serve as a threat to the enemy because now we're we're something that he can no longer handle because what he thought would take us out, God turned that stuff around and allowed us to be able to grow for him. There's been some things in 2010 that should have very, very well taken you out, but instead of you falling weak and falling prey to the darts of the enemy, you allowed those things to, of course it hurt, of course it caused pain, but you allowed those things to grow you and to expand you into the person that you are now. And now you are a threat to the enemy's camp because there's nothing that he can be able to do with you. Because it's just like Jesus when he went, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he went into the wilderness. He went in full of the Holy Ghost. But when he came out, he was full of the Holy Ghost, but he had power. More power now than he had when he came in. And we don't, we fail to realize, saints, That the pressures of this life fuse us with more power. More power. To be able to let the devil know that there's nothing else. There's nothing new under the sun that he can do to us. I got a question for you today, saints. Are you growing from the pressures of life? Are you growing from the obstacles and the situations and the trials and tribulations that have been taken part taken that, that have been taking part in your life right now? Have you been growing from everything that's been coming your way in life, or have you fell victim to your circumstance? People of God, I really believe, I really believe that we will really see an awesome supernatural move of God. If we would really activate the power that's on the, on the, that's on the inside of us. Imagine if all of us was to use the power that God has given us. 
Not for our own glory, glory, not for us to be pumped up, but for God's glory so that he can be known, so that he can be praised, so that he can be glorified. Can you imagine what we could do in a community? Could you imagine what could take place in Carbondale if we all would activate and use the power that God has given us? We will serve as a threat to the enemy for real. Because the more pressure he applies, the more we expand. The more obstacles he sends our way, the more we grow. We must use the power that God puts down on the inside of us so that his name can be glorified and so that his name can be praised. God uses a Hebrew boy named Moses. He uses uses him as an advocate to be able to deliver the children of Israel. Moses is born and from the commandment, from the decree that was had already been given, he should have been dead right from birth. But the midwife, the Bible says that the midwives served, they, they feared God more than they feared man. They feared God more. They had more respect and reverence for God. Um, even though they were under authority of the king, they knew that, listen, the king is not my help. Yes, he may provide, provide for me a check, a place, and all that other stuff, but God is my supreme help. And so rather than them obeying man, they chose to obey God. And the king comes to them and said, listen, wait a minute. I told you that every boy, every Hebrew boy that is born that you need to kill them. He said, well, listen, the, the midwife told him, said, listen, listen here, king. You know, every time, the, the, you know, these Hebrew women, they deliver these babies so quick. Just as we get ready to get there and position ourselves to help bring the baby out, they, the baby's already on the birth stool. And so this was their way of getting out of, uh, th- this was their way of getting out of uh, 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 following the king's commandment. They followed God's commandment instead. And so now Moses, he escapes death when he should have been dead already from birth. He escaped death, and the Bible says that his mother wraps him in a basket. She puts him in a basket, and she puts him on the river to flow on down the river. Now, saints of God, this kind of, Blows your mind a little bit. We all know with baskets, you know, just think for your second with a basket. You wouldn't dare put a human in a basket in the water. Baskets have, you know, they may have a few cracks or little spots in there that may be open that water can be able to get through. And then once that water gets through, if you don't know how, I'm, I'm p- pretty sure baby Moses didn't know how to swim from birth. So being put in that basket and water could have already seeped through, causing the basket to drown. And now Moses dying, not able to fulfill the purpose that God has for his life. But that's not what the Bible says. That's just me using my imagination. Not what the Bible says. The Bible says that his mother puts him in the basket. But she arranges the basket so that while baby Moses is in the basket, even though he's flowing down the river and there's no type of parental parental provision around him, he's flowing down this river as a baby in a basket wrapped up. But she prepared it so that as he's flowing down the river, no water could be able to come through that basket. Moses' mother waterproof the basket so that her son could transition down the river and fulfill the purpose that
that God had for his life from birth. Isn't it just like God that in our own personal lives that he allows some things in our life that's around us to become water resistant, what should have already drowned us and taken us out. He set it up so much in a, in a place that he waterproofed everything around us that as we're flowing down the river, as we're hitting the waves, as we're hitting the currents, when nothing can be able to stop us from fulfilling the purpose that God had already ordained over our life. He's in the basket. But he's not going to die because everything around him is protecting him for his purpose. It's protecting him for the plan that God has for his life. Saints of God, don't you know that you have not made it this far in your life because you've been so good and been so kind? Don't you know that you have not made it this far in life because of, because of the degrees that you have and, and who you may think you know? You've made it this far in life because God has waterproofed your life. God has, God has made you water resistant in your life that whatever came your way, he blocked it because he already knew the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. And you're flowing down the river without no provision, but God is always there looking out for you, always providing for you, always making sure everything is going the way that it should go. Moses should have been gone. If we look at it with our natural eyes, he should have already been dead. But but Moses could not die. Because there were some people that were dependent upon him to lead them to a place that they had never been before. Sense of God, there's some people that's waiting on you to lead them to a place that they had never been before. Yes, they're going to be resistant. Yes, they're going to buck and know all that other stuff. But there's some people that are literally hanging their lives on you. Because they are depending on you. God has has already prepared you. God has already uh, uh, positioned you into a place where you're going to meet up with some folks that that, that you're going to connect with, that you're going to have to lead these individuals into a place that they know not of. Because that's the thing about God. When he takes us out of one thing, he doesn't just leave us there idle, but he's preparing us to take us to something else. He's preparing to take us to somewhere else that's better than where we are right now. People of God, you may have, you may have, you may be in some transition in your life right now. And things are not always making sense. Things are not always coming together the way that we would like them to. But you got to make up in your mind that I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to flow down the river. Because I know as I'm flowing, God's got my back. As I'm flowing, God's got me covered. As I'm flowing and going to all to everything that God would have me to be, God is looking out for me. But it takes the it takes a person that has much faith, little faith, that says, God, listen, I'm scared as all get out, but I'm gonna step out on you. And trust you. And that's the thing that we have to do, saints of God. We ask, sometimes we ask God for certain things. We ask God, God, I need you to do this. God, when you go, Lord, give me direction on to do this and how to do this and, and when to move and where to move and all this other stuff. When God is saying, you already know the answer, but you don't want to do what I already told you. You know what the answer is. 
But you want to put it back on me and say, well, I'm waiting on God. No, God already given your answer. But you just don't want to make that move. And no matter how fearful you may be, take that step. Look into Jesus as your ultimate help. Not looking back, not looking back at Egypt and what you had in Egypt about the food and the shelter and all the stuff that you had in Egypt. But look at the fact how God has delivered you, taking you out of what you was in. And now bring you to a place that's much better, much better than where you were. But it takes us, saints of God, making that step to trust God no matter if we are scared. No matter if we, no matter if we don't know what we're doing. But to say, God, I relinquish all rights to my life. And I step out on you, and I say, Lord, you do what you desire to do in my life. Because my life is not my own, but it's yours. That's the decision, that's the choice that we must make. God moves supernaturally in the life of Moses. Why? Because Moses yielded himself to him. God used a prostitute by the name of Rahab. And that goes to show us God can use anybody to get his work done. And if he can use her, why? Because she made herself available. How much more will God use his children? How much more will God use his son? How much more will God use his daughters? Since of God, you didn't survive just to survive. But you survived because there's a work for you to do. There's an assignment on your life that you are the only one that can be able to complete it. And no matter what has come your way, when death should have came, the death angel had to pass over because you had not finished the task and everything that God has called you to do. Saints, as we prepare going to 2011, you know, people get all excited and they have all the different cliches to rhyme with the years and all of that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, one main goal, one main purpose that we should all have in our lives, that every day, no matter what the year is, no matter what the month is, I'm striving to be more like Jesus. I'm striving to walk out Every plan and assignment that he has for my life may not be a millionaire, may not be rich, may not be able to wear the designer suits and have all those material things in life. But if I can die knowing that I have fulfilled my purpose in life, that's more fulfilling than anything that you could ever buy in a store. And that's what we must strive to be, saints of God. More like him. And to fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives. Nobody can live up, nobody can fulfill the purpose for your life but you. Nobody can do it but you. I heard a wise man tell me, he said, no one can mess up your life but you. (laughs) 
No one can mess up your life but you. You can put the blame on people. You can say so-and-so did that. You allowed so-and-so to be in your life. They may have had a part in contributing to messing up your life, but ultimately, no one can mess up your life but you. The doors of the church are open. If there's anyone here on today, you may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. 